Uh, my name is Randy. It's good to have you with us today. And um, I was out last week. I missed you guys. I heard you had a great uh, day. I actually watched it on Facebook Live. That was good. Uh, but uh, we had uh, last Monday morning, uh, we had a grandbaby born, which was our very first one. Some of you already know that. And um, yes, thank you. Thank you. This is uh, young Sophie May Carter. And uh, she is, uh, they say she looks a lot like her grandfather, is what everybody's saying. Actually, nobody has said that except me, but she is beautiful, and we are so blessed, and uh, baby and mom and everybody's doing really, really good. Uh, so that is a huge thing. Today is a big day. You can take her down, because you got to look this way, not that way, and steps up. I, I would, we won't hear anything today. Um, but uh, today is a great day. Today, we're going to be doing a couple things. One of them was we're concluding this series. We've been in for a few weeks on the Holy Spirit. And Tony did an awesome job last week in, uh, in carrying that message forward. And, and today is also a day that we have kind of defined as a baptism Sunday. Now, we have baptisms all the time. We had couple, uh, two a couple weeks ago. But every now and then we say, you know, as we come to sometime a conclusion of a series, we say it'd be a great time just to focus and provide a day, one of those uh, target dates for people. Because sometimes we, we have a tendency to put things off until, you know, somebody says, this is when I should do it. And so we just sometimes need a place to drive a stake in the ground and say, that's when I'm going to do it. And, and our prayer is that you guys uh, who have maybe not been baptized, maybe you've not given your life to Christ yet, you've thought about that and you want to do that, or maybe you've made that decision, and, but you've never been obedient in baptism. And so we want to kind of put a date to say, okay, here's a great day to do it because other people are going to be doing it as well. And I will tell you that we are going to be having some baptisms in both services. So if you've always wondered, you know, when, when could I do it? Uh, probably you're saying, I didn't come prepared to be baptized today, but we've done all that for you. Uh, you can walk in. Uh, we got it all set. We got clothing. We got everything for you to do. You can be been baptized, be obedient, and, uh, and, and then leave after that. So we have everything that you need. So I would encourage you, if you are thinking about that, if that is your next step on your journey, uh, today is a great day to do that. And we'll tell you more about it as we get to the end of the service. But right now, I want to go to the Lord in just a moment of prayer to open up our time and as we think about the Holy Spirit and as we speak of Him today. Let's pray together. Father, we just come today, and Lord, we are excited about what you're doing in our church life and our individual lives. God, we're excited because we know that your Spirit is moving, and we want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to be with us today, uh, to move inside of us, Lord, to move into our hearts and lives, and to broaden our understanding and our perspective of, of who you are. And God, we pray that you would move in our hearts and lives to make us want to draw closer to, to you and to Christ, and to give our lives to Christ, and to serve Him, and be obedient, and to grow in our faith. And Lord, we know all that's the work of Your Holy Spirit, and so we invite Him to speak to us today, and come and be with us in our service, Lord, and move us to do the things that we are called to do in obedience. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, over the past several years, I've been blessed to be a part of a few, um, starting a few organizations, nonprofits, Christian organizations, and uh, it's kind of interesting to look at the life cycle of those organizations. You know, they say every organization, every business, every whatever has a life cycle that there's a time of crisis that creates a beginning, and then there's a time of excitement, and then you reach a kind of a peak, and then it, it rolls over, and it either has to have a new life be revitalized, brought back to life, or it's going to begin to die. 
And so in looking at the organizations that I had a, a hand in starting, uh, I think two of them were Christian schools. One was a crisis pregnancy center. And I started thinking about those organizations. And, and one of them died after a few years and when the founders left town. Another organization is on a slow decline. And a third one, though, after 30 years, is alive and bright, vibrant, very active. And, and, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting how some things make it and some don't. And the same thing is true, like I said, with businesses, even churches, movements, and religions. Some of them die, some survive, and some actually thrive and grow. And thinking about that, Christianity is one of those movements one of those faith systems that has not only survived thousands of years, but actually has and continues to thrive. In fact, down through time, nothing has had a greater impact on our world than Christianity. Now, some might argue with that, but, but the reality is when it comes to orphan care, when it comes to the rights of women, when it comes to the rights uh, to health, when it comes to slavery, everything else, education, Christianity has impacted the world unlike any other movement that's ever existed. Have you ever wondered why that is true? Why is that a, a, a reality that Christianity has made such an impact? How does a movement like Christianity actually hold its mission, its focus, and its energy for 2,000 years? I mean, that's a long time, isn't it? Well, I think the last few weeks we've been talking about the answer to that question, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that part of God that is in each of us. It is the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in our study, we've talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit. Last week, Tony talked about the gifts and the fruit of the work in our lives if we allow him the room and the opportunity to move us. And we understand that he is the power and the energy. Remember the air, the breath of wind that came that kind of defines who he is and how he works in our lives. He is the power, the energy that God gave us to empower us, encourage us, and keep the church alive today. But we also acknowledged early in the study that for some reason we've chosen to ignore and neglect the Holy Spirit both personally and corporately, that we don't talk a lot about the, this part of God. And so we made the challenge that it's time to bring this forgotten God that many of us that don't understand or know much about, it's time to bring him back and put him in our rightful place in our lives. And so today we're going to wrap up the series by asking the question, what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? What does it mean to live a life filled and defined by the Spirit of God. And it may not be what you think it is, because some would say, oh, it's all these dramatic things and, and uh, you know, supernatural things that, that happen all the time. But let me tell you, to live a spiritual life is to live a life that's in a walk and a relationship with Christ on a daily basis. And it doesn't have to be. It's not weird, because some people have a, a fear of being weirded out if the Spirit's in their life. It's a natural thing. It's a desirable thing, an attractive thing that God calls us to live in. And to kind of understand it, we're going to go back to the early church, back in the book of Acts where the church began. Actually, the church began with the presence of the Spirit coming into uh, the body of the church. And so in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That last phrase is what I want to kind of think about, that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and there was evidence of that. 
Now, we've already talked that before this time, the Holy Spirit had been present and active in in the world, even back before and in creation. We spoke of that. And throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain individuals, and they would be filled with the Spirit, and, and they would do these incredible things. And then in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, Jesus brought the presence and the revelation of God into the world. But his life was brief. In fact, we talked about it was only 33 years of life that Jesus lived on the earth, and th- only three of those actually were in ministry. The other 30 were pretty much in obscurity. And he told his disciples that he, it would be better for them when he left because he would send a comforter, a helper, a counselor, a guide, an intercessor, one who would be with all of them throughout all their life and would never leave them, and that all of them would receive the Holy Spirit, that the presence of the Spirit would be with them. And then last, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the fact that God has given us His Spirit for a purpose, and primarily it is to share Christ boldly. We said it's sad sometimes that we don't use the primary purpose of the Spirit in our life if we do not share Him with other people. But also we said that He came to give us strength when we're held weak, to give us hope when we're hopeless, and also to know, help us know the fullness of God, to live the abundant life that we all long to live and experience. And then last week, Tony talked about not only the gift of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit coming into our life, but also that when the Spirit's in our life, there are certain gifts, practical things like leading and teaching and administrating and serving and and giving. Those are practical ways that we serve God and we serve one another through the power of the Spirit. And he also spoke about the fruits of the Spirit that have produced in our life when we allow Him to work. So kind of understanding the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life, it enables us to live this life successfully. How does the church continue to be relevant for 2,000 years? It's because the Holy Spirit is a part of the church life. But how do we retain our faithfulness over time? If you've been a Christian for 10 years, 20, 40, 50 years, how do you retain that excitement, that faithfulness over length of time, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, first of all, I want to assure you that if you are a believer, a follower of Christ, then you have been given the Holy Spirit. Some would wonder, do I have the Spirit in my life? And how is that evident? How, how would I know? How would other people know? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is, is a, a, a result of that, but also the calm assurance that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Some of us just need to be told that you have the Spirit in your life. Understand it, embrace His presence and His work in your life. The Bible teaches us He has given to all of us at our conversion. In Ephesians 1, it says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of His glory." The word that jumps out at me is the word deposit there. And the the word deposit means that there is a value on us, that God has put this value in our life, and that we have a a value to Him, and that we're going to be redeemed, and we're going to be returned. Now, I was thinking about this, and, and there aren't a lot of things today that I know of that have a deposit on them, but some of you who probably are closer to my age, remember when we were kids, we would walk, walk alongside the road. I don't know if any of you ever did this. And in that day, littering was pretty common. 
People didn't want something, they threw it out the window, unfortunately. Cracked down on that, but in that day, uh, there were bottles everywhere, and many of those bottles were, were uh, produced by Coke Company or Pepsi, and they had a deposit on them, which was kind of smart. They would, you would actually turn those bottles back in, and I assume they would melt them down or maybe just clean them up and use them again. I don't know. But they belonged to the Coke Company or Pepsi Company, and they had a deposit, three cents, five cents, maybe 10 uh, on some of them. And so we would pick them up, and we would take them and redeem them, and then we would get money to buy more pop or candy or whatever it was. Now, I know that doesn't happen a lot today. There's, plastic doesn't have a lot of value, I guess. But I always think about that because that bottle had value because someone attached it to it. Not much value of its own, but it had value because somebody said, that belongs to me. And when we have the Spirit in us, it is a sign, a seal of the fact that we have value to God, that we are redeemable, that we will be returned and accepted by Him. So if you ever wondered if you had value, if Satan ever whispers in your ear, you don't, ear, you don't amount to anything, understand that God has placed His seal of deposit upon you, that you have His Holy, your, His Holy Spirit in you. You are valuable. And you are going to be returned to him. So that's an an incredible promise. And then Acts chapter 2 verse 38 tells us specifically when we receive the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of people don't know when do we receive it? When do we experience that? The Bible says this in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says at our baptism, two major things happen. Number one, our sins are forgiven. They're taken away. And secondly, at that moment and that time, we receive His Holy Spirit. When we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we confess His Lordship in our life. We decide to turn from our past and follow Him. And then we physically, through baptism, identify with Christ in His death his burial, and his resurrection. By the way, for those of you who may not know, this is why we do baptism by immersion. It is the only way that we can experience symbolically the death to ourselves, the burial with Christ in the water, and then being raised up to be born again. When we experience that, then not only are our sins washed away, but also the Holy Spirit comes into our life to help us live out our faith, that we are empowered by his Spirit from that moment going forward. So all believers in Jesus Christ have God's Spirit living inside of them, but not all believers live their lives filled with or controlled by the Spirit's power. And I think that's important for us to understand is that we have this power available, but many of us are not doing so. If you were to ask any believer, especially a mature believer, do you always live by the Spirit? Most of us would probably say no. Probably say no, that that we sometimes park the Spirit, and we put the car and drive. We, we take over. We don't allow Him to live in our life and lead us like we should. Someone said it like this, believers have all the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit may not have all of us. Some of us, may he, maybe He doesn't have us at all, but others, we haven't surrendered all of ourselves to Him. Understand we received the gift of the Holy Spirit at our conversion, but we may not be filled by Him unless we submit to Him. So in my mind, there are a lot of people who have the Holy Spirit just kind of laying in their life, just kind of idle, not activated, not giving Him any space or room to work in our life. And, and that's a shame, you know? 
the level of the Holy Spirit's filling in our life and moving in our life is going to vary in the life of every believer. The Bible tells us that we decide many times that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, which means that we act in sinful ways that Jesus would not act, obviously not the, the way our models taught us. Ephesians chapter 4 actually gives us a list of things that are grieving of the Spirit. It says that we live like the pagans, when we lie, when we cheat, when we curse, when we uh, show anger, when we steal, bitterness, unforgiveness, sexual immorality. All those things grieve the Holy Spirit of God because that's not how God wants us to live. If you're a parent and you have a child right now who's breaking your heart, you know what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know what it means when this child is living destructively, living uh, away from you, or uh, when that person is kind of outside the relationship that God wants to, them to have with him. That's what it means to, gr- to be grieved, to be hurting, to be painful, experience the agony of rejection, and, and to be grieved. You know what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's how God feels toward us. His children who are not living in relationship with Him. The Bible says that we can even quench the Holy Spirit by suppressing or by not allowing Him to be seen in our actions, where we've somewhat lost all sensitivity to the leading of the Spirit. You know, it's kind of interesting. Our physical body has a way to adapt, and I think our spiritual body does as well. But our physical body has the power to build up a callus and a lot of times we think about it on our feet, but we, have, we can build up a callus or a thickness when something irritates it enough. And then we don't feel it any longer, which can be a good thing, I guess, the sensitivity, but it's a bad thing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. When you become callous to the Holy Spirit, when you're no longer irritated by His leading or moved by His leading, then that's a problem. And you invite, ignore His promptings and His urgings and you built up this resistance, then that's one way that we can quench the Holy Spirit. So we can have the Spirit in our life without being filled with the Spirit. And for a lot of people, unfortunately, I think they almost settle for that. Settle for the least. Okay, at least I've got the Spirit in my life, but I know I'm not living by the Spirit, whereas the Bible commands that we should be filled with the Spirit. And we're not only robbing ourselves of the joy and peace and happiness that God longs to give to us, but we're also robbing God of the glory that should come to Him when we live, live a Spirit-filled life. That's important to understand. It's a lose-lose situation. When we choose to quench the Spirit in our life, we're robbing God, and we're robbing ourselves, and we're robbing other people as well. How do we do that? Well, if we've been given these gifts to serve the body, and the Spirit isn't moving or working through us, then we're robbing other people of the blessing and the encouragement that they need that God intends for them to have through the Spirit's gifting. Now, someone might ask, well, will the Spirit ever leave us totally after we grieve Him and quench Him? Will, will He ever leave us? I can't say that for sure. I don't know. But why would someone ever want to take the chance? Why would we allow that to happen? Why would we be so careless? And here's what I was thinking. If the presence of the Holy Spirit is proof that we're followers of Christ, then wouldn't the absence of the Holy Spirit's presence in one's life be an indication that maybe he was not a follower of Jesus Christ? Understand that God gives us his spirit for our good and for the blessing of the body of Christ overall and to glorify God. Now, let me tell you from experience, one thing I think I believe is that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives ebbs and flows. 
There are times when, when I feel a lot closer to God. I experience Him more times than others. Sometimes I feel like I'm just living the Christian life, and other times I'm really having a more Spirit-filled life. I understand that. You know, I, uh, anybody else probably has that same experience in their own life. And so my conclusion is, and I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, is that we have to be constantly refilled with the Holy Spirit. That we have to be constantly, he has to pour back into us because we, we somewhat leak, you know? You know, I've got a, a, a vehicle that has some miles on it, uh, my, 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 my truck does. And what I've noticed about my truck is it either has a leak or it has, uh, it's using some oil. And so I have to keep an eye on that and uh, be probably identify with that. Every now and then you've got to watch that. The truck runs great, but sometimes it runs low and I have to refill it. You know what happens if you ever allow your vehicle to run out of oil? It's not a good thing. And by the way, if you don't know, if you're new to this and you don't know that you have to change or add oil to your car, you do. You have to do that because if it runs out of oil, it's going to die. Now take that same thought and apply that as a warning to us about letting our own spiritual levels run dry. When that happens, we have nothing more to give We don't function, and eventually we could spiritually die. That's a warning to us. The Bible also warns us about allowing other things to replace the Spirit's work in our life. I think this is important as well. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart for the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of an interesting thing that Paul contrasts being filled with spirits or being drunk, basically. He contrasts that with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why would he possibly do that? It's a really interesting contrast when you think about it there. Well, you know, when somebody is drunk, we would say they're under the influence. They're under the influence of some substance of some, some sort. It's controlling them. And when that happens, they think differently, they act differently, they talk differently. We've all, all been around people who were under the influence of some substance. And what Paul is saying is do not let a substance control your life. Do not allow something external to control your life. Instead, be controlled by the Spirit who is inside of us. When the Spirit is controlling your life, you're going to think differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to act differently there. Do not allow something outside to control, but be instead controlled by something inside of you. You know, we have people in our church family that are in recovery and who have the strongest advocates, uh, strongest advocates for abstaining from alcohol or weed or any other type of, of substance, ad- addictive substance. Why? Because they know the danger that comes from allowing something to take control of their lives. There's a danger in that. In fact, we have a group that meets on Monday nights called Celebrate Recovery. And that group is a collection of people from all walks of life, people with hurts and habits and hang-ups that meet together. Uh, We have an awesome meal. In fact, we have a chef, one of our guys, David, that that cooks every week for that group and a a free meal. There's a, a time of worship together. There's support groups. Understanding that there is a danger in allowing something or somebody to control our lives. And we have to, 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 to get control back and give the control to God. And if you need that type of help and encouragement, uh, that's open. It's free. It's every Monday night beginning at 6 o'clock. 
Paul warns about allowing something to control you. I think if Paul were writing this today, he might include some other things. He might say, don't be controlled by sports or money or hobbies, by job or sex or anything like that, because those things can be just as addictive and controlling as alcohol or drugs. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. All these things are just poor um, uh, counterfeits of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. So instead of turning to some substance or some person or some activity to give you comfort, what he's saying is turn to the Holy Spirit. Instead of seeking out the temporary high or the relief of boredom or some artificial confidence that might come from a substance, seek out the Holy Spirit. Long Run to Him and long for His presence, and He will give you power and strength and comfort and supernatural gifts and the presence of God in your life. And He'll also give you the purpose and meaning that you're longing for in your life. Isn't that what people are looking for? We're looking for something that really matters. And the Holy Spirit can give us that presence in our life. The more we seek the Spirit, the more we, we open our lives up to His influence, then the more in turn we're going to mature and become more like Christ. And we're going to become more like Him as the Spirit begins to produce fruit as well in us. And, and we mentioned this, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Imagine what your relationships would look like if you were increasing in those things, if more and more you began to show those to other people and how that would impact your life and the lives that are around you. And the more that we seek Him, the more we're going to experience the blessing of knowing that we're using the gifts that the Father's given us. The more we know that God's going to be glorified through our lives, the more we know that other people are going to be blessed and encouraged as well. And we're also going to experience the guidance and presence of the Spirit and the increasing insurance that we actually are a child of God. Have you ever wondered if you really were a Christian? Have you ever wondered if God cared, if, if you were saved? The Holy Spirit gives us that assurance and presence in our life. In Romans chapter 8, it says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So if you ever struggle and wonder Am I really a Christian? Am I really what God wants me to do and be? Then understand the Spirit can give you that calm assurance and that confidence that you are Him. You are, as the song said, we are a child of God. And we have His blood flowing through our veins. And whenever we have that presence of the filling of the Spirit, we're going to have a fresh experience of worship. And you're going to experience Him in a way when you open up your heart in a way you've never known Him before. You're going to have a renewed sense of His presence in your life. You're going to see more power in your prayer life. We read this a couple of weeks ago, but in Romans chapter 8, it says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. That our prayer life should change. You know, this, inner, um, this connects very closely uh, with our next series. Beginning next Sunday, we're going to be talking about prayer. Uh, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so starting next week, we're going to kind of dovetail into this and talk about how do we pray and what does prayer uh, mean in our life? How do we grow in our prayer? What did Jesus say about prayer? So uh, give a shameless promo for next week on that, but uh, I hope that's encouraging to you as well. But you know, all of this comes and our lives start coming together more when we open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit's power. 
when we allow them to work inside of us, not on the outside, not in actions, but on the inside. You know, Priscilla Scherer, who is a pretty well-known speaker and author, she illustrated the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life by comparing it to a grain of popcorn. And I'd never heard this before. I thought it was really cool. She, she asked, do you ever wonder what makes popcorn pop? I, I never thought about that minute fact, but, but it is pretty cool. Is it just heating up a piece of corn and making it pop? Not really. She said, inside of every grain of corn, there is a microscopic dot of water. And when you heat the water inside, it creates steam and pressure until finally it pops. And if you ever notice that all that tasty white stuff, whatever that is, fluff, was hiding inside that little bitty grain. It's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? That all of that was inside until the steam made it pop. And it was what was on the inside that had to be affected before the outside could change. And that really is how it is in our lives because a lot of us would like to see change and we have great intentions and we promise God and we promise ourselves and other people, I'm going to do better, I'm going to change. And we try to do it from the outside and external pressure, or even our own, is not going to change us. What happens is only change comes when it comes from the inside. When the Holy Spirit who is inside of us comes and renews our mind with the Word of God, when we are drawn to fellowship with other believers, when we are opening up our lives to allow the Spirit to convict us and move us, when as believers we are not just having the Spirit, but we are filled with the Spirit, and we are increasingly opening ourselves up to hear from Him and be led by the Spirit, then when that happens and something changes inside of us and we're heated from the inside, then you pop. And you begin to look more and more like Jesus. You change on the outside because of what happens on the inside. And thanks be to God that He comes and lives inside of us. And He changes our lives. And that's what we long for. He gives us meaning and purpose and joy and power and strength. And those only come through the power of the Holy Spirit.